What's up and welcome back to the Cycling with Watts podcast. I'm your host, Jared Watts, and I will be taking you on this trip for episode five to talk about the Vuelta España. Let's go. We are on the third tour, grand tour, amazing race of the season, and I have everything in store for you to run you through what you need to know, riders to watch, what stages are coming up, and then I will give my overall predictions of the race. Now, if you haven't tuned in to Cycling with Watts before, that's okay. This is only my fifth episode, so still brand new to this podcasting world, so I appreciate every one of you who is listening today, but my goal is to get you out on your bike more by bringing you racing news, maintenance tips, new tech in the world of cycling, and overall just bringing you the information I know of biking to inspire you to ride more. So again, I appreciate that you are tuning in to me today, and I hope you are as excited for the Volta as I am because it starts tomorrow with the time trial. And it is just going to be great, explosive. It's going to be a redemption tour for a lot of people. So I feel like there's going to be fireworks every single day. So let's roll that sting music and get into it. Thank you for that beautiful orchestra sting music, which leads us usually into pro cycling news. And that's what this entire Episode number five is dedicated to is talking about the Vuelta España, the Tour of Spain. This race has been going on since 1935 annually, since 1955 according to Wikipedia, but also as you may know if you listen to any other cycling podcast, that uh, according to Wikipedia, Lance Armstrong has never won a stage of the Tour de France. So I believe that is accurate for the uh, when the Vuelta started. But can't confirm that because in other cycling news, Wikipedia has gotten it wrong. So what is the Vuelta? It is the third grand tour of the year. A lot of people refer to it as the redemption tour because it is the time for cyclists to redeem their seasons. If they've had poor seasons, if they haven't performed up to the level that they want, they've done terrible in the other grand tours, haven't gone to the other grand tours, this is their last shot to get out there and show the world what they can do in this season. Because basically, after the Vuelta is over, we have the World Championships. And this year, the World Championships is going to suit probably climbers or people like Greg Van Avermaet, who are kind of a climber, punchier rider. So sprinters are also on their redemption tour for the Vuelta, as they will probably not have a shot at the World Championship, unless you're Peter Sagan, because you can absolutely do anything you want if you're Peter Sagan. So in the Vuelta, we are racing for the red jersey. You have the pink in the Giro, yellow in the Tour, red in the Vuelta. And then we are also racing for the blue polka dot jersey for the mountains classification, the green jersey for the sprinting competition, and the white for the best all-arounder, which is comprised of all the classifications to give that white jersey to the best all-around rider. So the Vuelta kicks off tomorrow, Saturday, August 25th. If you're in the U.S., you can catch it on NBC Sports. If you have the gold package, you can watch it there. That's where I will be tuning in, and I am excited because there is a lot of climbing. Looks like a lot of explosive stages, 
and we should see a lot of people bidding for that win because it's kind of anybody's race. We do not have Team Sky in this Vuelta. And if you haven't been paying attention to the last year of cycling, Team Sky has dominated the Grand Tours. They have won the Tour de France last year, then the Vuelta last year, then the Giro this year, all with one person, Chris Froome. And then they also won the Tour de France again this year, not with Froome, but with Thomas Degent. Oh, wow. I just, not Thomas Degent. Thomas Degent does not ride for Team Sky. Garen Thomas rides for Team Sky. That is my bad on that one, not Thomas Degent. Garen Thomas won the Tour de France this year. So Team Sky has basically dominated the Grand Tours in the past calendar year and some change. And so neither Chris Froome nor Garen Thomas are competing in this year's Vuelta as they have respectively already won a Grand Tour. And so they deserve a hell of a lot of rest for what they have done, especially Chris Froome where he won three Grand Tours right in a row. They will be competing at the Tour of Britain, which starts in the first week of September, so we'll overlap a little bit with the Vuelta. So Team Sky, they still have people in the Vuelta who will be bidding for that GC. In Mihail Kwiatkowski and David De La Cruz. Now, neither one of those two are necessarily a GC favorite, but Team Sky will be representative, but they will not be controlling the peloton like they do in the tour, basically, where they just sit at the front, control the tempo, control the pace, and dominate the race in the GC category. So that means that it's really anybody's race. And tomorrow we start off with a time trial. It's an eight-kilometer time trial, and it starts in Malaga. Now, I am definitely going to butcher a lot of these town names because I am terrible in the Spanish language. I barely passed it in college, barely passed it in high school, and my wife is phenomenal at speaking Spanish. Her brother, my brother-in-law, phenomenal at speaking Spanish, and they very much like to tell me that I suck at Spanish and make fun of me in the Spanish language, which sucks. It sucks. One time my wife was helping me study in college. She was not my wife then. She helped me study, and instead of helping me study for my Spanish test, she just made fun of me with Spanish insults. So that was a ton of fun, but that is away from the point. So yes, I will butcher town names. I am sorry, but let's get on to it. So first, I want to dive into... Who are some of the riders to watch? Who are some of the sprinters? Who's going to animate the race? Who are the GC contenders? And let's start off. Number one, Richie Port of Team BMC. Now, Richie Port is of Team BMC this year, but if you've been following the Team BMC saga at all, they will no longer be Team BMC at the end of this year. They will be Team CCC. And will probably be led by Greg Van Avermaet. That has not been confirmed necessarily. But right now, he looks like the leader of that team for the future. So, Richie Port is the leader in this race. And yes, he does have a strong team BMC around him with the likes of Rohan Dennis, who is probably my favorite pick for tomorrow's time trial. We will get into that. But he does not have the likes of people like TJ Van Garden, who is moving teams next year to EF Education first. And Richie Port as well is moving on to a new team next year to ride with Trek Segafredo. He will be the leader of that team 
right now. That's how it looks. So Richie Port is a favorite for this race, but I have some concerns with Richie Port. One being he hasn't had the best of luck in Grand Tours. If you watch the tour this year, he crashed out in stage nine in the Tour de France. That was the Roubaix stage. And we don't necessarily know what happened. Didn't see his crash on the camera. It was before the cobbles, right at the cobbles. But it was a collarbone injury that he departed from the Tour de France. And exactly a year before that, in stage nine, he crashed out in the Tour de France. And that was a horrific injury that he came back from. But he just hasn't been able to put together that full Grand Tour. Even though he has the talent for it, we just haven't seen him put it together. So that is one. And then number two, the team situation. We just don't know outside looking in if that team is going to rally behind Richie Port, especially because he won't be on that team next year. You know, Rohan Dennis is, like I said, my favorite for the TT tomorrow. He might have shots at GC contention, or he could sacrifice himself for Richie Port. We just don't know. We're going to wait and see on that one. But if he doesn't have the team around him who are willing to, you know, give their blood, sweat, and tears for Richie Port to win the Vuelta, he does not have, he just doesn't have a shot. You can't win a Grand Tour, a three-week-long race without an amazing team dedicated to helping you win. All that aside, I still think Richie Port has a shot. He's got the talent. If he can put together that three weeks of racing, if he can avoid the bad luck, if he can avoid that stuff, the injuries, the weird crashes, all of the bad luck that you can encounter, punctures at the wrong time, a mechanical at the wrong time, if he can avoid that like anybody else, but especially Richie Port, he's got the talent. At least he's demonstrated it in the past. You know, right before the tour, he won the tour to Suisse. And so he he has a pedigree to be able to win at that highest level. He's always in GC contention. So if he's not at number one, he'll probably most likely be in that top 10. Moving on to number two, Nairo Quintana of Movistar. Now, Movistar is a Spanish team. This is almost like home field advantage for them, except for Nairo Quintana is Colombian. But still, Movistar is that Spanish team. So they should be getting a lot of backing, a lot of fan support during this race. Now, Nairo Quintana, he is a winner of the Volta in the past in 2016, but from since then, he, he hasn't done at least the level of racing that, that we expect from Nairo Quintana or that, you know, people have placed on Nairo to be able to finish. He's always a GC favorite in the tour, but he just hasn't put it together. He hasn't got, he has a 10th and a 12th place finish in the tour in the past two years. And so from a Grand Tours perspective, he hasn't lived up to the hype. Now, don't get me wrong, 10th and 12th in the Tour de France, I mean, I would give up so many things in my life to be able to say that I took 10th in the Tour de France. But for Nairo Quintana, it just doesn't seem like he's been able to put it together in the past year in a Grand Tour setting. Now, he did win a stage in the Tour this year on the Col du Portet in July. And that was good to see him win a stage at that highest level and still demonstrate that he is an amazing climber. And that's where the Volta does suit him in that aspect. Is there is a lot of climbing and a lot of steep, hard climbs. And Nairo Quintana knows what it's like to win a Grand Tour, knows what it's like to win the Volta. He's worn that red jersey at the end of it. And he also has a great teammate 
in Alejandro Valverde, who is another one of my GC contenders, not necessarily up there with the likes of Port or Quintana in my mind, but he is somebody who will animate the race and will probably bid for stage wins. Now, he is also a previous Vuelta winner. In 2009, he won. So you have two previous Vuelta winners on a team who is Spanish. And so just that mix together really seems like Nairo Quintana has a great shot at winning this Vuelta this year. And so he is definitely one of my favorites to watch. He's probably in that top three for me. I I, I don't think he's going to be my overall. He's not going to be my prediction, but he will definitely be in the top three in my mind, top 10 almost easily. And so let's move on to two other people. I say two, not just one, because they look exactly alike, and that would be the Yates twins in Simon and Adam. Now, I don't think that they're equal in this race. I believe that Simon is going to be the leader as Simon raced the Giro, Adam raced the Tour. Both of them, credible young talent, have a bright future ahead of them, but have not been able to win that Grand Tour. Now, they have been able to show at the highest level that they can compete with everybody in Simon at the Giro, absolutely tearing it up until the last couple stages where he basically just... He blew up and lost a ton of time. Now, he was racing against a Tom Dumoulin and a Chris Froome, and a Chris Froome who had nothing to lose, basically, because he was giving it his freaking all to win that Giro. But Simon showed he won a couple of stages there while he was wearing the pink jersey. And so he, he has the pedigree, and he has shown that he can do this at the highest level. Also, both of the Yates have won the best young rider in the Tour de France. They won it in consecutive years. So they, again, they've shown at the highest level that they can win, they can handle the pressure, they can handle the media after. They know what it takes now. Admittedly, in some interviews, Matt White, the team director, said maybe in the Giro, they pushed it a little bit too much to carve off seconds, which then took too much out of Simon for those later stages. But all that aside, I think Simon has a great chance of winning this. Now, I'm not saying that Adam isn't going to be the leader. He just raced the Tour de France, and so maybe he doesn't have the legs to win the Volta. But who knows? We'll see how it all plays out, and it depends on what, what each stage brings and what happens in each race, where they are in the peloton, in the break, where the rest of the team is positioned. And they both race for Mitchelton Scott. And if you have some extra time, I highly recommend watching Eat, Race, Win on Amazon Prime. It goes and follows Orica Scott when they were Orica Scott in the Tour de France. And it's more of the food perspective on Chef Hannah Grant and how she is preparing food for Orica Scott. But it does also give a great insight to that team and a great insight into Adam Yates as well. So Simon Yates is one of my favorites. I think he will be in that top three as well. And so those are, you know, Richie Port, Nairo Quintana, Simon Yates, Adam Yates, possibly. Those are my top three, three guys. That's who I think are, are have the best shot of winning it. Of those top three, I have to give my prediction to Simon Yates. I just think he has the best team around him. He wouldn't be necessarily the talent, most talented out of those three, but I just think he has everything else going for him. Young in age, has a good team to support him. All of those items, has the legs, 
isn't coming back from an injury like Richie Port. Neither is Nairo Quintana coming back from injury, which he just hasn't seemed to be on form in that Grand Tour level this year. So who are some other people to watch possibly in that GC contention, but who are going to animate the race and be in that top 10? Fabio Aru. He has definitely not had a great season as he had a later exit in the Giro just after not proving to be on form and not being where he wanted to be in those GC standings. Now, Fabio Aru is the Italian national champion. He, oh, not anymore. Actually, Elio Viviani is a national champion. He has been a national champion of Italy, but is no longer as just a couple weeks ago as Viviani is now the Italian national champion. He is definitely a rider to watch, and we'll get to Viviani later. But Fabio Aru has held the yellow jersey he has won the Vuelta back in 2015, and he rides for UAE Emirates, who has a pretty strong team as well. They've done, you know, decently well in the Giro, as they had a Rue place decently well until the later stages. And then they also have Dan Martin of UAE, who Dan Martin is another one of my GC contenders. He is probably not likely to win the race, but he is always animating the race as in this last tour he was just blowing it up at times which was amazing to watch and he um, got the most combative rider of all the tour he also won a stage there and so Dan Martin is definitely a guy who's going to animate the race he's also very vocal and shares his opinions shares his emotions so he's exciting to follow on Twitter follows comments after the race everything like that. So Fabio Rue, Dan Martin, both ride for UAE. And I think they are both going to be animating the race. I think Fabio Rue has a better chance to be the overall GC, but Dan Martin as well is going to animate that race. Probably going to win a stage or two or at least be very close to winning a stage or two. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Next, we have Rigoberto Uran, who rides for EF Education first, and he took third in last year's Tour de France, and this year he was a high GC contender for the Tour de France, had a pretty good team around him. EF Education first has been growing stronger and stronger, and they are EF Education first, presented by Draft Pack, presented by Cannondale. They are a very long name, but they have amazing kits with that orange and pink and Pock helmets. Also, they have a lot of Americans on the team, so I like that fact of it. But Rigoberto Uran is looking at redemption after he crashed out after stage nine, was injured in stage nine, and was done after that in Tour de France this year. The Roubaix stage did take out a lot of people, and it was amazing to watch in the tour. But Rigoberto Uran is another guy who will probably be in that top 10. Don't know exactly how he's going to fare because we've really only seen him in the Tour de France last year, taking third overall, and that can come down a little bit to luck, bad luck to other people, but he's still a very strong rider and has some of that pedigree in the Grand Tours to show that he can do it at the highest level. Lastly, I want to bring it home with Vincenzo Nibali, the shark. Now, Vincenzo Nibali had a terrible crash at the Tour, up El Duez as somebody's camera strap, camera strap locked onto his handlebars. He went down, messed up his back, had a broken vertebrae. And so he is coming back from injury. So he has already said himself that he is not going for GC. But you can never 
count out Vincenzo Nibli. He's won Milan San Remo this year. He's won the Tour. He's won the Giro. He won the Volta back in 2008. And Vincenzo riding for Bahrain Merida. He, you, you can just never count out Vincenzo Nibli. And he said he's not going for GC. He will probably still be in contention for GC, but I think he's really ramping up for the World Championships later on this year. And Vincenzo Nibli is definitely not at the peak of his career anymore. He's probably on the the back half of that career. And so if he's going to target something such as the World Championships, add that to his list of titles because he's already has won the title for all three Grand Tours once before. So I would not be surprised if he is sticking true to that, not going for GC, but you can never count him out. So he is going to be exciting to watch as well. And I really hope he can come back strong after that crash because that was that was devastating to watch. And I have probably missed some people who you think are going to do well in the Volta, like Thibaut Pino, Miguel Angel Lopez, you know, guys like that. And I'm guessing those guys are going to do it. I just believe Quintana, Port, and Yates will be those top three up in there with those other people that I mentioned kind of bidding for every spot after that. But it all comes down to luck. It's a three-week race. Not luck. I mean, it's luck, skill, teammates. I mean, there's just so many variables that can go into a three-week race. If you watch the Tour, if you watch the Giro, you just know that uh, not everything goes scripted. Not everything goes to plan. You get a flat tire at the wrong moment. You know, Tom Dumoulin in the Tour de France this year, he basically had one day where he got a mechanical and a flat tire or a flat tire and got hit penalized for using the cars to come back through and get back onto the Peloton. And that was basically the the time between him and Garain Thomas. And so very little things can have such a huge factor at the end of the race and who ends up on the podium. So those are my GC guys. And now for sprinters, I got three sprinters that I am really excited to watch. Of course, Peter Sagan. How can you not be excited to watch Peter Sagan? Won the green jersey in the Tour de France this year. Three-time world champion, back-to-back-to-back. He is probably not going to win the world championships this year because it suits the climbers, but you never know because Peter Sagan can do whatever the heck he wants on a bike. I mean, the guy is incredible. And he always brings animation to a race, which is so fun to watch and he also makes great ads if you've never seen a peter sagan ad please go youtube a peter sagan ad he races a grandma in a most recent ad for a specialized e-bike and that is amazing to watch he does a shower one for hansgro one of his sponsors and so peter sagan of bora hansgro is going to be amazing to watch i hope he Wins that sprinter's jersey. I like Sagan a ton. I was so disappointed last Tour de France when he uh, when he unfortunately had to leave because he was kicked out of the race for an incident with Mark Cavendish. So I I just love Sagan. He's so fun to watch. He animates the race. He is such a smart sprinter. You know, most of these teams, like Elia Viviani with Quick Step Floors, they have this lead-out, sprint-out train and is dialed and locked in, especially for somebody like Viviani. And if you watch the tour, they did it with Fernando Caviria. But watch Peter Sagan. He probably doesn't have the best lead-out train 
in pro cycling. He probably isn't the best sprinter in pro cycling, but gosh, he is one of the smartest and he is almost always in the right position. Like you watch in the tour when he was just following Gaviria's wheel. Gaviria was a great talent to watch from Quickset Floors in the tour. And basically Sagan would just use his, his lead out train. He would sit on that wheel of Gaviria. He would use that lead out train that Gaviria was using. Gaviria would go out. Sagan would move around him. Boom. Sagan wins the, uh, the stage. So he is just one of the smartest, best bike handling guys on, uh, on the pro tour. And there's one example of it earlier this year. I think in the uh, tour of Dubai, he was out on a TT and a woman had crossed the street in the middle of his time trial. And Sagan was able to like hop up on the sidewalk on a TT bike and hop back down and continue his TT. It was absolutely incredible and a great display of what he can do on a bike and his handling skills because his handling skills are straight. And yes, it has made him a lot of money. So Peter Sagan, next, Elia Viviani. Viviani has been dominating the sprints this year. When he is in a race, he basically dominates it. He has 15 wins this season. Quickstep Flores has 55 wins this season. You know, definitely the most dominant team stage win-wise this year in the Pro Tour. And Viviani and Sagan just going head-to-head is going to be great. Now, at the team's presentation the other day, there was a great tweet out that was Viviani and Peter Sagan just staring each other down in this intense, you know, you could cut the tension with a knife, uh, stare, stare battle. Why am I, why am I blanking on the name of a stare, staring contest? There we go. They had this amazing staring contest, you know, Sagan in his world championships jersey, Viviani is an Italian national champions jersey. So that is going to be great to watch those two duke it out and then bring in another person who will not be wearing their team kit is Matteo Trenton of Mitchelton Scott. He is donning the new European Champs kit off of Alexander Kristoff. And I'm so thankful because we no longer have white shorts of the European Champion. Because Matteo Trenton is classy and put his white top European Champion jersey with some black bottom shorts. So thank you, Matteo Trenton, for getting rid of those white shorts that Alexander Kristoff had. Not that Alexander Kristoff looked bad in it, just not a big fan of white shorts. I really don't care what color they are, I think. Besides white, besides white. I think Quickstep Floors has a great blue jersey with blue shorts. Mitchelton Scott has the navy shorts. You have Coffitas with the red shorts. So there's, it doesn't have to be black for me, but I just... I'm not not a big white guy. Not a big white guy unless you're in a time trial, which Tom DeMoulin looks amazing in that time trial skin suit that is all white, or if you are a best young rider in the Tour de France. Stuff like that. All white skin suit I think looks okay for a TT, but I am not a big fan of the all white skin suit for the European Championships kit, or if you're out on the road. I think FDJ, Groupama FDJ, they had some white shorts back in the a little while ago. And yeah, just bad, just bad. So thank you, Mateo Trenton. So those are my top three sprinters that I am excited to watch. And then you also have, I guess, Nasser Buhani of Kofidis. And he has been a chargy rider, to say the least. Hasn't been that well respected by his team. He's been left out of the tour. Uh, 
because of behavioral problems or not listening. I don't necessarily know the whole story, but he doesn't seem to be the best teammate. But he is a good sprinter, and he will be at the fault of Espana. So I think that he can bring some interesting traits to the race, not only on the bike, but also off the bike. So that's why I listed him here. So let's go back to my predictions. I believe Simon Yates will win the Tour. I think Viviani is going to win that sprinter's jersey, but I want Sagan to win it. So uh, Viviani is my my prediction there. So let's get in quickly to a little bit of what is going on with the course. So like I said, it's an eight-kilometer time trial tomorrow. I think Rohan Dennis will be wearing red for the second stage. And the first stage is starting off in Malaga, second stage in Marbella, going to Caminito del Rey. And that is an uphill finish. I don't think Rohan Dennis will be wearing red after that. That'll be an uphill finish. And I am excited because we get into the mountains quick. That's one thing I was disappointed about the Tour de France this year is it just those first nine stages. And the nine stage was amazing watching uh, Roubaix. But they were all for the sprinters. And not that it's not fun to watch a sprinting race or a long, flat stage. But it's not as fun as the mountains where that peloton is just breaking up, unless you're getting a bunch of crosswinds on those flat stages. They're a little bit boring until the finish, to be honest, at least in my mind, not for everybody. But we get into the mountains on stage four already. We have an uphill finish on stage two. We have hills on stage three. We have the first kind of overall flat stage on stage six. That is 155 kilometers. And so that will be a one for the sprinters and so after stage five is when we kind of get into some a couple of flat stages until we get back into the mountains on stage nine and after stage nine is the first rest day then we go stages 10 through 15 before we hit that next rest day and then 16 through 21 after that and so we are starting off stage one with that time trial that is an eight kilometer time trial and stage 16 is our next individual time trial at 32 kilometers. So that will definitely be one from what I've heard and seen by the course. Not a super technical 32 kilometer time trial. So I think that's going to be a great place to see some of these power horse GC guys get a lot of time on people. Now we don't have Chris Froome or Tom Dumoulin who are just amazing time trialists and amazing Climbers as well, you know, guys like Nairo Quintana, Yates, Ports is a Port is a pretty good time trialist, but none of them are at the level of Froome and Dumoulin, and so that part will be interesting as well. That's why there isn't necessarily like a clear winner for this year's Volta. You know, when you look at the tour this year with both Froome and Tom Dumoulin before the race, before the race, I'm talking, it was almost like it's got to be one of those two because they're amazing climbers and they are great power horses during those time trials and time trials are you you have to be a good time trialist in order to win these grand tours so it's going to be interesting too from that standpoint on who is going to stay atop that that podium because the gc favorites aren't the greatest of time trials at least in my time trialists at least in my opinion that's why rohan dennis of team bmc even though he isn't the leader of Team BMC for it. He could, if he wants, take off on his own aspirations. That's where we just don't know with Team BMC and do well in this Volta. And then after that 
individual time trial. We go into a couple more mountains and then finish off in Madrid. And another thing on time trials, the Vuelta has kind of been known for having a team time trial in in somewhere. Last year, they started off with a team time trial, and this year there is no team time trial. I think that might have come down to the Tour de France doing the team time trial. But anyways, two individual time trials. And the exciting part about the Volta this year, if you get a chance to go look at the stage profiles, there is a lot of climbing. A lot of climbing. So take, for example, stage four is going to be our first big climbing day. It is almost flat until 51 kilometers in. And then that baby just absolutely spikes up, goes up through one mountain pass, comes back down, and then is a uphill finish, mountain finish. And so that is going to be exciting. We have starts at, I think, almost zero sea level, a little bit above sea level, and ends at uh, 1,440 meters above sea level. So we have a lot of climbing starting in stage four, which I think makes racing super exciting when we can get into the mountains as quick as possible, really start defining who those GC riders are going to be. Stage nine as well, we get up to one point or 1,965 meters. We start at 540 meters. So we're doing 1,400 meters of climbing. No, I mean, not overall climbing, but the end finish from where we started. And so again, a lot of climbing stage nine. Stage 19 as well is going to start at 170 meters, so pretty close to sea level again, ending at 2,000, just over 2,000 meters. And that just, it's like uphill all day for 154 kilometers. It's basically from the start, it is uphill the entire way, ending in a mountain finish. So again, lots of climbing. The Volta is known for its climbing, for its punchy climbs, for its tough climbs. And so that's why I think it's going to be super exciting to watch some of this and i want to get into some of these gradients here because on stage four you know looking at the elevation the gradient you know at one point on one of the climbs it's up to an 11 percent gradient and that's not even the worst of the climbs in this on stage nine they get up to a 12 percent gradient at points stage 13 they get up to 17%, 22%, 25% all on one climb on stage 19. One climb that is going to climb over 700 meters and get up to points of 25%. That is absolutely ridiculous. Stage 15 as well, we're going to see up to 17%. So we're going to see a lot of punchy climbs. And that's where I really think Nairo Quintana has a great shot to win this. He is a small guy. He is a great climber. He is a pure climber. A guy like Yates as well. Another small guy who can just, he's lighter than a lot of people. And when it goes, when it comes to going uphill, being light is a very, very good thing. So it's exciting. I'm excited to watch that eight kilometer time trial tomorrow. And then my next stage after that will be stage where I really think we're going to start seeing some of those GC riders come about and start to make their stand in the overall contention. So that is what I got for the Vuelta preview. I really hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a couple things about some riders to watch for, some stages 
to watch for. And if you want more cycling with Watts, this episode was dedicated just to one race. It's a grand tour. You have to dedicate it to one race. Usually the shows consist of going through some pro cycling news, whether that's races, transfers, somebody did something. I don't know. We focus on pro cycling news in some way, shape, or form. Then we get to some tech, some new, hot, new tech that's coming out in the cycling world on the road scene, gravel scene, cyclocross scene. You know, cyclocross is just around the corner, coming up in the fall, so we'll be focusing more of the fall shows on that. And then we get into bike maintenance, talk about how best to maintain your bike in a lot of different scenarios, whether you're a beginner, you know, talking about air pressure, tire pressure, when you should do it, how much tire pressure you should put on there to lubing up your chain, all the way to maybe swapping out a bottom bracket, you know, wide range of what we're dealing with when it comes to bike maintenance. And similar to bike maintenance, going over bike tips on either that's nutrition, what to wear while you're riding, how to structure your training, something along those sorts. Each episode is going to be a little bit different, but again, it's all aimed at getting you out on your bike more. That is the aim of the Cycling with Watts podcast with myself, Jared Watts, and hopefully down the road we are going to get some people on that I can interview who are in the cycling world, in the cycling industry. I live in Minneapolis, so I'm hoping to get some great people from around the Minneapolis area to contribute to the podcast because they have a wealth of knowledge and I want to tap into that and share it with you all. So if you want to follow me more, go check me out on social media, Cycling with Watts on Instagram, Twitter. It is Cycling with Watts, except for the with is missing an I because it was too long of a handle. So it is Cycling W-T-H Watts. Also, there's a blog, cyclingwithwatts.com. I'm hoping to get more into the blog this fall so you can listen to me, you can read me, you can see random things that I write and post onto the social media world through Twitter, and then you can see my great, beautiful, shining face on Instagram. So again, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoy watching the Vuelta as much as I do. And please, if you like this, share it with your other cycling friends. I would greatly appreciate it. Go follow me on social media. And also, get out on that bike. Get your elbows tucked. Get your head down. Pedal like hell. And we'll see you in episode six. 